one year I kind of got an idea, you know, I almost tried trap. I like to trap, I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? You would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money in the fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan, this is what you do. Trappers love game trappers in a positive light. I'm gonna ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. The structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon ads to information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. Alright, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet that's working ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got variables to change the characters, you got bog trap. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the first end, this is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Glad to have you here. We are brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, the trapping supply dealer K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. They've got what you need. Check out their site. On X Maps, use your phone as a GPS on the trap line. This uh, app is just incredible. You've got access to the latest aerial imagery. You've got landowner information. You've got uh, elevation, GPS functionality, marker waypoints, run tracks, uh, everything you can imagine. You can, you can do a whole pile of things if you uh, never would have thought you were going to be at the tip of your fingers as soon as you open up your phone. So onxmaps.com and use the code TRAP, T-R-A-P, at onxmaps.com for 20% off of your first purchase. And Moyle Mink and Tannery, get your fur tanned from the professionals. Moyle is a family-owned business. They've been at it for decades. They do an incredible job, very quality product, and a reasonable price. You go to moyle.net, M-O-Y-L-E.net, and figure out instructions on how to get your shipment out. Use their online customer portal. Makes things easier for them and easier for you, and you get your fur back a little quicker. So thanks for Moyle Moyle for sponsoring the podcast and and the others as well. It's great to to keep rolling these along and support those companies and have them support me and us and, uh, and promote trapping. So that's good. So moving forward, just a little update on, I guess, what what I have in mind coming up. Tonight, we're going to talk about a little odd subject, some might say. We're going to talk about sticks on the trap line, the use of sticks. And uh, I'll explain that a little, a little better here in a minute. But uh, moving forward, we got one more with Kirk DeKalb. The uh, beaver trapper out of Georgia, he, he has developed a line of cage traps, and he's had those manufactured for a long time. However, there were some issues he ran into right about the time we were going to air the episode where we talked a little bit more about the cages and who makes them. Uh, he actually switched manufacturers, so he's got a little different thing going on now, and some of that information is no longer relevant. So I got to still go through there and cut some of that out and see if he has an update for us on on what's going on. But we also talked a little more about that magnetic field thing, which is really interesting. 
Uh, I want to talk about BMPs going forward, best management practices. I think I'm going to do kind of a series on BMPs this summer. I think it'd be good for all of us to kind of go through as a refresher to some uh, and as sort of an introduction to others on on why we do things certain ways. And I really am I'm always guilty of not thinking, not not putting myself in someone else's boots when they may be in their first year of trapping and don't completely understand all the things we're talking about that we assume everybody knows about. Or I, I assume a lot of times that everybody already knows this stuff. So I think it would be good to, to get into that a little more and and to, to go through that. I actually did an interview with a guy who was writing an article uh, about BMPs and trapping for a mainstream online magazine, which has absolutely nothing to do with trapping, so it was kind of interesting, and and I was somewhat hesitant about it at first, but we talked, and I, I became pretty comfortable that that he was looking to provide an unbiased view, and I thought it would be great to uh, communicate kind of my perspective as a trapper and get that out there rather than people coming to their own conclusions. So it probably be a few months before anything comes out and I'll get to see it hopefully and then uh, maybe share it with you guys. And what else we got moving forward? Oh, I thought I want to try to do something. I don't know if it's just going to depend if, if I can come up with the time to sit down and contact people and get this lined up. But I'd like to do something about trapping organizations and and what we have coming down the pipe in terms of threats to trapping and what we can do as members of organizations or what organizations we can support in order to help promote trapping so we get in the middle of trapping season and we kind of are focused on what we're doing and maybe we don't think quite as much about that side of things and and the off season the summertime is kind of a a good chance to to really uh, get back to that and I want to talk to Cole here pretty soon again I've been meaning to get in touch with him and, and just get a little update from him on on his trap line and and he's doing a little bit with the local trapper association as well so uh, that'll be good to, to kind of touch base um, I don't really have much time to try and schedule a bunch of other interviews with people that I are not yet familiar with the podcast but uh, at some point we may get around to that. But it's gonna get it's gonna get nuts here coming up for me, and I'm barely gonna be able to get sleep at night, let alone uh, <clears throat> try to do a bunch of scheduling and, and figuring things out for this show. So that being said, um, I'm I'm looking forward to getting into these different topics. Uh, I want oh yeah uh, on X. I wanted to talk about on X for just a second, in addition to just you know like the standard ad thing that I usually do uh, I use this thing so often and, and for more than just a lot more than just trapping so I was uh, I was in the woods the other day and just another example we have these like tangled logging roads like this network of logging roads that are some are old some are new and they go in all different directions and there's no rhyme or reason for you know, someone that's just traveling through there, the foresters could tell you exactly what they're there for and why they're in certain places. But uh, they they seem kind of random when you just kind of ride around in the woods. And so I had to go survey this pond for work, and it's a pond that 
we hadn't been to since 1977. So it's a lot has obviously changed since then. And there was a network of roads around it, but I wasn't really sure what, where you could get close and whether you could drag a canoe into it and, and all that stuff and, you know, what the nearest road was. And so the aerial imagery images will show you roads, but they won't show you whether you can actually get through them with a truck. And so I spent a part of a day scouting that area and I walked around, I walked to the dead ends of roads, I went through the woods, found the pond, found the nearest access site. And all the while, all I did was when I left the truck, I just put Onyx on and well, I used Onyx to find the closest point to uh, the pond and then I just started the tracking and I all day it just tracked me in the background. And so I came, I went back there to, with my gear to go and, and survey the fish population there. And it, it was unbelievable how much time I actually saved uh, because I'd get to like intersections where I had no recollection from just a few days before which turn I took because all the roads looked the same and they're just going in all different ways. And, and so uh, it, it was just another example. I do this, this is a weekly thing for me, finding roads in the woods. So uh, it was another example where Onyx proved to be really useful and uh, completely outside of trapping. So lots of uses for that thing, and, and I would encourage you to go ahead and use that code TRAP, T-R-A-P, at onyxmaps.com and try the app out. Um, give it a shot and see what you think. All right, so tonight, like I mentioned, I want to talk about sticks. And you might think that, well, I, I would tell you, I think that maybe is a bit of a weird sounding topic but I over the you know at times I'll sit down and I'll just kind of make notes when something comes to mind on a subject that I want to cover and I was thinking about different things that we think about as trappers and it just kept coming back to oh we use we use sticks for this we use a stick for that we use the and and at some point it just kind of came to me that you know, a guy could probably do a whole episode just talking about sticks and the different uses in trapping and and the different things that we refer to when we talk about certain types of sticks in terms of, you know, what we use them for. So it might be silly, it might be useless to some of you, but I hope that some of you find it uh, really informative and we're just going to get into it. There are, in my mind, just from off the top of my head, I think four major types of sticks that we talk about when we get into this whole trapping terminology. And there may be more. I'm sure there are more. But these are just the four I think of. Guide sticks, bump sticks, dive sticks, and tangle sticks. And so we'll get into all of that. For those of you who are, live in, in an area where you don't have sticks, I feel bad for you because you got to get a lot more creative. But I think for the vast majority of us uh, that are trapping, there's going to be some sort of vegetation, whether you're in the high desert and you're using uh, pieces of sagebrush or you're in an, a forested area like where I'm at or areas around the Great Lakes or the whole eastern U.S. really where there's just sticks everywhere and you just pick up sticks off the ground to, to use at your set. Um, you may have to uh, bring sticks a long distance which you know one of the things that I, oh I you know bait sticks there you go there's another one I I'm uh, I'm gonna add to the episode here as we go uh, but bait sticks for like beaver trapping um, and a lot of times you'll have to bring those in from off-site because you don't have any decent ones to use where you're at 
Um, but a, a lot of other times you have plenty of sticks there for what you need. So the biggest one here is guide sticks. And when people talk about guide sticks, they're just we're just referring to a stick that's used to guide an animal in a certain direction. And we want to guide that animal in such a way that it's going to step onto our trap, get caught, or walk in a foothold situation, or walk through a body grip trap to get caught. And so it, in a lot of cases, or most cases really, their mother nature doesn't provide that perfect spot for the animal to be able to move through and you just set a trap there and boom, you catch them. Now in some cases, like when you're muskrat trapping and you've got some uh, a muskrat den in the bank and there's a hole coming out of there and there is a run, that hole and the run are like the exact size of a 110 body grip trap. And so it's just perfect. You don't really need guide sticks when you're muskrat trapping for the most part. You might put one or two here and there, but you just stick that 110 in the run or at the entrance to the den, have a nice day. You know, you, you've got your muskrat. So it's pretty simple. But things aren't always that way. So for different situations, like when you're beaver trapping with 330s, a lot of times the runs can be varying uh, widths. Uh, you need to narrow them down to get the beaver to go in the right spot. When you're uh, trapping, say, say you've got like, uh, you know, one case where you're going to use a lot of sticks, a lot of quote-unquote guide sticks. I mean, these might be be um, considered guide sticks, so they could be just part of a pen. Is where you're trying to make like cubby sets up uh, in northern, you know, Alaska and northern Canada where maybe you're trapping with foothold traps and you got bait and you surround that bait with the cubby and just leave one opening where an animal has to step and you put your foot trap there. So that can work pretty good. And some cases you could do that with body grip traps as well. So, so those are, are some cases, places where you'd use that. Um, you can use guide sticks uh, for uh, trapping even with, with foxes and coyotes on uh, you know the like a dirt hole type situation or a flat set situation you're going to use them a little differently and you always have to keep that into take that into consideration when you're using these sticks because a little bit can go a long way and some animals react differently to guiding uh, than others if you are trapping for lynx up in alaska you can guide the heck out of them you can put sticks everywhere and just force them to to go out of their way to go right through this little narrow spot that they can just fit through and they'll go through that gladly and they'll step right on the trap or they'll walk right through the snare for the most part. There's some smart ones, but uh, when you're bobcat trapping, you can use all kinds of sticks. I, I remember watching J.P. Wilson do a demo at Neil Olson's uh, New England Trappers weekend on bobcat trapping out west and it's amazing how many sticks he was using uh, in front of the trap, behind the trap, on either side of the trap and uh, sticks just kind of sticking right up vertical out of the dirt or at an angle out of the dirt and the animal has to step over it and just step right down to the pin of the trap and it works. I mean you catch bobcats doing that. Now if you're trapping for fox and coyote that's not going to work for the most part. They're, they're going to be a little more leery of that. They Generally, it seems as though coyotes especially do not want to be boxed into an area. 
and anything that kind of makes it feel a little bit tight where they're walking close to vegetation or sticks or you know they're they're not necessarily going to spend a lot of time there and they may not investigate your set but you can use these sticks in a very very subtle manner and so one of the things that really um, brought this point home to me about using subtle guide sticks was uh, at, again at a demo at, at a trappers convention uh, Newt Sterling who is a uh, a really well-known trapper and snare man out of New Jersey. He owns uh, Snare One Trapping Supply Company, uh, and he works uh, w- together with Ron Jones, who you guys know if you've listened to the uh, podcast in the past. And they do like a a snaring school in New Jersey. Um, very two very very knowledgeable guys. And one thing that Newt teaches is using really subtle guide sticks, and he. Uh, makes an illustration in a lot of his demos where he'll take a pencil he takes a pencil and he goes in like the busiest walking lane in convention where you're you know walking up and down these uh travel ways and you got booths on either side and you got people going back and forth with their supplies and they're looking at the booths and they're talking to each other and and checking everything out going through and he'll just put a, a pencil down on the ground in one of the heaviest traveled areas and they'll sit there and back away and kind of just watch that pencil and what you'll notice is that the vast majority of people aren't even going to notice that the pencil's there consciously but none of them step on it you just subconsciously you you don't put your foot on that uneven spot of ground and so that works really well when you get into the fox and coyote trapping world where you want something that they're not really going to notice in terms of like actually thinking about it and seeing it. They're going to know it's there, but it's going to be a, kind of in the back of their mind. So when they go up to your set, you got just a little tiny stick there. There's something subconsciously that they're not going to step on that, but they'll step over it. You put that stick right, right next to the jaw of your trap. They'll step over that stick, step right under the pan. And so there's there's ways that you can use sticks that go all the way from like uh, a 330 in front of a beaver lodge and you got these big poles and you're, gui- you're guiding that beaver, uh, you're sticking poles on either side of the 330 and you're making them swim across around those poles and through the, the trap all the way to a little twig half the size of a pencil in front of a dirt hole set for coyotes. Uh, that's that's really how guide sticks work and you can go all different directions and, and anywhere in between uh, the size of the stick can depend on the situation uh, there are cases where like when I was up in Alaska trapping and snaring especially snaring for lynx you'd make we'd make uh, snares in the trails where it would take a heck of a lot of sticks to block off the entire snow sled trail or snow machine trail and every time you went through there, you'd have to pull all the sticks up and you'd have to drive through and go back and reset everything, reset the snare behind you and put all the sticks right back in their place. So that gets a little old after a while. But what I found was if you could get like a top of a spruce tree that had broken off or something or something that had blown down and with all the little branches on it and you could stick that to where it covered over half the width of the trail, that was just one big brush kind of kind of uh, clump of brush 
that you could stick in and just one thing to handle and it blocked off half the trail. And then you might put a couple of sticks on the other side around your snare and you're off and running. So it saved a lot of time. So that's something you can do. You can do that when you're making cubbies. Uh, back when we used to trap Martin on uh, on land with 110, 120s, we, that was legal to do years ago. Uh, we would use, uh, and oftentimes not only sets on land, but also sets up in the trees, we would use a lot of boughs, uh, fir boughs and spruce boughs, and because they were thick and brushy, and you could stick them in and cover a lot of area with, with one bough. So guide sticks can come in all shapes and sizes. Most places where you're trapping, if you're in the woods, you're going to have plenty of sticks around, dead sticks, uh, live sticks. You're going to be able to use those pretty effectively to uh, to, to block off situations just de depending on what you want to do in, in particular case. One thing to note is if you're if you're trapping in the water, you got beaver around. You, any guide stick you use, you want it to be dead, and the reason for that is if it's a living uh, vegetation, there's a pretty good chance a beaver is going to chew on it and think you know consider it bait. It's food, right? Especially like hardwoods or certain you know certain species with uh, bark that that beavers are fond of. That you're going to have issues with them kind of targeting those and chewing on them rather than what they should be doing which is going around them and also on on land there are situations where you might get rabbits if, if say you use live willows to block off make a little pen set for a marten uh, rabbits can come and start chewing on those willows and kind of mess up your set as well so you, you want, in that case you want to focus on dead stuff but that's generally what guide sticks are and like I said, they can be used in, in a lot of different ways. Now, uh, the next one uh, that I mentioned here was bump sticks. And a bump stick is uh, kind of a unique thing to beaver trapping. Um, maybe maybe some as well for otter trapping. And I don't know if anybody does this with, with muskrats or anything else. But a, a bump stick is... Uh, something that you want to use in a very specific situation where you want the animal to hit that and react a certain way. And uh, in the case of beaver trapping, uh, that we're talking generally open water beaver trapping, foothold sets is where you use bump sticks. And, and it is really one of the biggest secrets out there, in my opinion, that it, it, people either know about it or they don't and if they don't know about it they have a lot of issues getting a beaver to step his foot on the trap uh, I know this because I experienced it I didn't fully understand the use of bump sticks till I got talking a lot with Billy Thompson and uh, learned more about his style of open water beaver trapping and I realized that you know for him it was just second nature but for me it was like wow okay that's one of the things I was really doing wrong and so, uh, very basically, what a bump stick is is uh, you you have a set uh, on the bank, and you've got either lure or bait or a combination, and a beaver is going to be attracted to that, notice it, and swim toward it, and go up on shore to grab your bait, or to go investigate your caster mound or your lure that you have there. And as they go there, you know the idea is you want them as they're climbing up onto the bank 
or up towards your bait, you want them to step foot on your trap. How do you know exactly where that animal is going to plant their feet? And of course, we can, you know, we've talked in the past about a front foot catch or a hind foot catch and how to target each of those. But the fact is, you still don't know exactly where that animal is going to plant their feet. And some cases, you might not get them to plant their feet at the right spot or the right time. And you can get a lot of misses and you can get a lot of animals just going swimming right over top of your trap and coming up on shore past it or uh, or ahead of it or whatever so the idea of the bump stick is as the animal swimming in that stick is positioned so they hit it with their chest they hit into that stick and it's just a natural instinct as soon as that animal hits something on their chest they plant their feet it's just instant and so they're swimming in you got a bump stick set up so that as soon as it hits the chest they're going to plant their feet and you get your trap set back to where um, that animal is going to plant its feet right on top of your trap. And it's just once you figure it out, and it's it's really not that hard. It, it You're going to have to do a little experimenting in terms of, because every situation is a little different depending on the slope of the bank, uh, depending how deep the water is, how, you know, how quick that water gets to certain depths. But uh, generally you're going to have that, you know, very very close to the back jaw of your trap the jaw the trap that's closest to uh, the bank and and it's going to be underwater you don't want them to see it you know they're generally going to be swimming with their body completely underwater except for their head um, and and their head's going to be out of the water and they're going to be looking around if they see that they're going to avoid it so if it's just underwater you know uh, a couple of inches uh, they're not going to see it, but they're going to hit it. They're going to plant their feet, and most likely you're going to make a catch right there. So that's a bump stick. I, I'm sure there may be other cases where a bump stick is relevant, but that's the only one that comes to mind for me. The next one is a dive stick. So for those of you who trap in places like me, where our body grip traps are required to be completely underwater for, for beaver trapping, um, this is going to make perfect sense for a lot of you guys. If you're not in that situation, you may not quite understand why someone would do things this way. But bottom line is um, we have to have our body grips completely underwater. And in under ice trapping, that's no problem because under the ice, most uh, animals when they're traveling are going to be right near the bottom. And they're going to be going through those those tunnels or those runways uh, where coming out from the beaver lodge, going to the feed pile or going to investigate the dam or going parallel to the dam, whatever. That's pretty simple. But in open water, they're going to be traveling with their head up above the water. And so you need, if you live in a state where you can have body grips, maybe they're going to, some places they just have to be partially submerged by water. Some places they have to be like at least 50% submerged by, uh, in water. Um, sure that, you know, that can work. Um, if you live in a state like mine, then you don't really have a choice. You, you have to have that underwater. So you got to get that animal to dive underwater. And that when I was starting to trap, this was a little bit frustrating for me to get to figure out because I thought, why would that animal just want to dive randomly and and go underwater when it's when it could swim over the water? It doesn't 
make sense that it would be that easy to make that happen. Of course, as I got to learn more, I realized that, well, of course, these are water animals. They're so comfortable underwater that it really does not take much to get a beaver to stick its head underwater and dive under something. They're diving under sticks and logs and everything else constantly, all day long. Their entire life is what they do. They're comfortable with it. And so um, when you start to learn that and get comfortable with making those types of sets, I actually think that those dive situations with the conibear completely submerged may be more effective than a lot of these uh, sets with the conibear out of water. Now, there's some cases where I think you've got like a really defined run and a narrow spot, and I would love to be able to have a conibear out of the water for those situations because I do think it would be more effective. Um, but in a lot of cases, I don't know. I'm thinking out of the water. Uh, I've had cases where I've set them legally and then the water drops and you got to go and reset them the next day. But in that interim, when that trap is out of the water, you don't catch much at all. And so I'm thinking they're seeing the trap, maybe a little bit nervous about that trap or it's just foreign to them. Or potentially, like uh, Kirk DeKalb talks about, there's maybe they're sensing some sort of uh, magnetic. Uh, uh, there's there's an electromagnetic field there that they they can pick up on, and so uh, a big hunk of steel there sticking out of the water might be something that they notice and say, huh, I don't know, I guess I don't need to go check that out. That's interesting. It's foreign. It's something I'm not used to. So, a dive stick is very easy. Now, you can use a lot of dive sticks. When you start off, like for me, when I started, I was using like big logs. And I I thought that that was the most effective because, man, they're not going to try to push this over. They're going to definitely dive under this. And I want to make sure they dive under it. And then I was at a demo where Red O'Hearn gave a, a presentation on water trapping. And if you don't know Red, he is a trapper from Iowa, and he's a professional. He's an incredible trapper, very, very accomplished. He's a real fun guy. He's a lot of fun to, to sit down and listen to and, and chat with. So uh, if you get the chance to go to a trapper convention and Red is there, be sure to, to check him out. But he was using sticks that were teeny, teeny, tiny, little tiny dive sticks uh, where he was using like 280s and 330s and getting these beaver and otter to, to dive. And so I realized that, you know, and I started experimenting with this, that you really don't need a lot. And a lot of times, if you put too much of a dive stick there, uh, that animal is is going to shy away from that that set. And, and maybe they're not going to try to go investigate it because it just looks like uh, it's a little too out of place. Now, I still use like big logs and sticks in places where there's like long channels, maybe uh, a channel that's like connecting two beaver flowages or like below the outlet of a beaver dam. There's You're back in the stream channel and it's something where like they're traveling for a long ways through there and it's kind of the only spot. Seems to work really well there. If I put a little tiny stick and it gets knocked over by the current or something, you know, and I don't make a catch, then I, you know, I'd rather have something that I know is going to stay. Uh, but in a lot of cases, if, if it's more of a less a less defined area where the animal is going to be traveling through there, but they have a lot of options to go around, I'm going to put something pretty subtle. And, and so it's not really going to catch their attention, but it's going to be like that pencil at the travel, the, 
the corridors between the uh, all the setups uh, and the tables and booths at the Trappers Convention, where there's all these people walking by and they're not paying attention to the pencil, but uh, but they're also not stepping on it. And so uh, these can be, like I said, they can be big logs or they can be little tiny twigs less than the size of a pencil. Um, different configurations you can go like a lot of times I'll do like uh, an X like one stick facing up diagonal one direction and one stick in the other way and kind of forms the X uh, maybe an inch or two above the water uh, right over the top of your body grip trap which is just submerged just barely under the water uh, maybe an inch or two under at the most is what I, I kind of like um, and sometimes I'll have a long stick that might be maybe half an inch diameter and I'll put it horizontal over the top of the trap um, in, in certain cases. And that might be like, you know, right at the water level or maybe an, an inch above the water. So every situation is a little different and I still have a lot to learn experimenting with what the best actual configuration is. But those are dive sticks. You get a water animal to dive under the water and... Um, in, in a travel way to swim right through your trap. And I'll tell you what, that is some of the most effective trapping that I've ever had is just very, very simple guide sticks and dive sticks uh, for open water beaver trapping. It's amazing how easy it is to get them to dive after you figure it out. Um, then finally, the last type of stick, I guess I'll, I'll throw in bait sticks, of course. Uh, when you're trapping for beaver, you're going to have bait sticks. Um, but for most other trapping, that's not going to be something you're going to run into uh, but finally tangle sticks and the reason I brought I, I added this in is because um, this is sort of a, a mechanism for uh, drowning water animals particularly smaller animals like mink and muskrat it works very very well and so uh, a tangle stick is very simply a stick that's placed in uh, the right location at a particular type of set and I've talked about this in the podcast before so I won't go into too much detail but um, toward the end of your chain or wire out over deeper water where an animal is going to go to deeper water and they're going to wrap the chain or wire uh, of the trap around this stick and it's going to tangle up in that over that deep water instead of cause a very quick dispatch of that animal quick humane kill uh, for a muskrat or a mink and it's a case where you can save if you have uh, those sticks set up right and the right trap and chain or wire set up you can save so much uh, time and effort in terms of making slide wires and pinning slide wires down or attaching to like a rock bag or wiring uh, a rock to uh, the end of your uh, your cable or wire and send that down in the deep water you know just one simple stick in the right spot can can go a long way and make make things a whole lot easier so that's why i threw that in there um, sticks used to be used one more use was was stakes to stake traps down uh, i i've never experimented with that and i have no plans to now uh oh tangle sticks can be used with lynx trapping though um Sticks can be used as drags, but those are more like poles and like big, large diameter. Uh, they used to call them clogs in, in the old day, old days, but um, those are more like more like log size. Um, and 
and sticks tangle sticks can be used when you're snaring for lynx coyote fox uh, snaring on land uh, they th- those I, I don't have a lot of experience with that because it's not legal where I am and so just a you know it, other than the little bit of trapping in Alaska which it wasn't a, a huge component of what we did there but um, uh, uh, just like the tangle stick used in the water situation you can use the the tangle stick on land where an animal's caught in a snare and uh, they call them kill poles and they wrap around the pole it's a you know a really stout pole kind of toward the outer edge of where that snare is cabled off to and uh, they can wrap around that and, and it makes a real quick instant kill of course you don't want to use those in situations where anything might get caught in your snare that you don't want to be killed so uh, those are only legal in certain places and situations always make sure to check your regulations but they can be very very effective as well so in a nutshell those are the different kind of sticks that i can uh, think of if you've got anything else send me an email jrodwood at gmail.com any other applications of, of sticks that outside of what i've mentioned that you use on your trap line so with that guys thanks again for everything it's great to have you here and uh, look forward to more and finally, the Cots Bros message of the week. Cots Bros have the new line of setters for the TS-85 Beaver Trap. Those are, are out and becoming very popular. I think they're like $16.95. Uh, very nice setting tool for a very popular trap. Very simple and well manufactured and painted orange. You don't lose them in the brush. So that's uh, uh, one product. Uh, be sure to sign up for the Cotsboro's newsletter because anytime there's a new product that comes out like this, they're going to be mentioning that in their newsletter and you're going to get an email. Kyle put out a fur market update a few weeks ago. So if you haven't gotten that, go check out the website, Cotsboro's.com and click on the blog and you should be able to see that. But sign up for the newsletter and you will be up to date when something new comes up. With that, guys, keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode.